Suzanne Pedersen in her ninth Solheim Cup with this to win the trophy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ninth tee. Lydia Ko once again finds the winner's circle the 16th time in her career, but the second time in the last five years for the 23-year-old. It moves her into a tie for 35th most wins all time on the LPGA Tour, joining World Golf Hall of Famer Jan Stevenson, and I have the pleasure of being joined by the one, the incomparable. Ben Harpering, womensgolf.com. Mr. Ben, how are you? I am doing stupendous. I don't think I've used that word yet, but I want to drop that one in there. And I'm happy to be joined by Kent Paisley week one as a contributor for Golf Digest. How are you doing? That's a little interesting to say out loud. It's true. Uh, it was great to contribute to Golf Digest this week. It, being part of the, the press conference has been very, very surreal. He, we, we have talked back and forth about questions we'd like to ask players. And, well, we went ahead and – not fair to say we. I guess it was me who had the opportunity <laughs> to ask some of them. Um, and we'll we'll bring up some of those answers over the course of the podcast. Just interesting to see, you know, the, the insights of the players. Uh, we've talked about this before. Very reflective, consistently give good answers to questions. And, you know, it was also consistently good over her last 90 holes – the Kiwi. Referring <laughs> to Lydia Ko and her New Zealand route. <laughs> Not the fruit. 38 <laughs> under par over her last 90, dating back to her 62 on Sunday at the ANA Inspiration. Justin Ray, stats guru on Twitter.com. You know, 42. 42.2% of her holes over that stretch have been birdies or better. She said 86.7% of grains of regulation. For comparison, the all-time high on a season is Annika Sorenstam at 79.7 during her prime. Her scoring average. Ben, this is like... This one blows my mind. 64.4 over this, this just gauntlet of destruction and mayhem to the LPGA tour brought to you by Lydia Ko, who was so calm on the course. She was feeding the golf channel cameraman on Saturday, giving them some of her watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 64.4, the scoring average. First of all, I want to point that out because it does, you know, video games, right? Going back to golden tea, like old, old games. That's a number that you can even really, it's hard to do that in a video game when you can control theoretically everything in a golf tournament, real life. You can't like, that's not possible, but Lydia's making it seem like she is, which is so crazy. You're making me think back to the golf video games I played growing up. Golden tea was a rare occasion. There was one at a bar at my master's program, which is a little strange, uh, (laughs) but I played a lot of Mario Golf, and I was thinking of just like there's the the power up you have in those games to shoot lower scores. Lydia's just welcome to real life. There are no power ups where you can magically hit the ball farther, and Lydia's not one of the biggest hitters on tour. 
but she's it's been a scorched earth policy the last 90 holes it has not mattered it's if you to to quote former sacramento kings broadcaster grant napier if you don't like that you don't like golf (laughs) (laughs) facts look and see and the wild thing to me is that and we've talked about on this podcast before about players there's usually stretches of time where they play really good golf. Like you put together a few weeks of really good golf, but that 10 under 62 that she had at the ANA, that's a major championship on a golf course that really like this course in Hawaii, the Hawaii course is usually players go pretty low. They're a little softer and it's just set up that way. But ANA is not a birdie, a quote unquote birdie fest golf course. And she tore it apart. And then there was a week off. So it's like sometimes you get to go straight into the next tournament and kind of carry that momentum. But she had a whole week to think about, well, if she did do anything wrong, you have time to think about that. But after she did 10 under 62, like, well, what? I'm not sure you really did anything wrong there. But having that extra time, that can kind of potentially pause momentum, but not for Lydia. She just kept on going. And on Sunday... It was really impressive there. Like who shoot, and we'll get to her in a second. Nellie Corda, who played in the final group with her. I after that 63 that she put up on Saturday, I mean in the third round. I excuse me, this was a Saturday finish. After the 63 she put up in the third round, it was we didn't expect the play that she had, but to stay on Lydia right now, early on, she came up short on the fourth hole, left it a wedge, she had a wedge in her hand. From the fairway, left it short of the green, which is, as they pointed out on the telecast, the only mistake you can make on that hole. And it had that false front, right? So it rolled all the way back down the hill. It was a tricky, you know, 20-yard chip shot she had for her third. Which then she almost left that one. Like, somehow it didn't come back down. It really did look like it might come back, but she left it on the fringe. And she acknowledged after play in her victory press conference that with that chip, a six was in play and that she was pretty fortuitous to have the opportunity to do what she did next. Yeah. Which was hole it. What? <laughs> it was like, they were, they were mentioning like almost putting on the quote unquote announcer's curse where they're like, she hasn't had a bogey in this many holes and or only one bogey. And since like the first round and she drained it. I don't think anyone was expecting her to make it because it what it was at least it was more than twenty feet, at least thirty feet. I, I was I put it around twenty in my head, but it moved right to left pretty good as well. Yeah. It anyway. The point is, it wasn't easy, and she drained that. And we talk about key moments in tournaments. I mean, I think this was a big because Nelly. It's still early enough that well, if Lydia makes bogey, drops a shot, gets Nelly a shot closer, maybe that calms Nelly into not missing as many, you know, putts as she was missing throughout the day, which we didn't see coming. But it just brings a lot of other players into the mix. But, yeah, Lydia is just – so after that moment, it seemed to, you know, maybe a couple more pars, and then everything was dialed in. Like, we didn't see those (laughs) misses like that anymore for the rest of the day. Yeah, she was really dialed in. You know, she had four birdies in a row starting on the ninth where she played off the backstop perfectly – and what you were mentioning about that putt, this was an attempt for Brooke Henderson to three-peat this week. And at the start of the week, 
it's, it's a little surreal to say this, wrote this article for Golf Digest about Brooke Henderson's run. It's been 29 starts, now 30 after this week since her last win. And that's the longest stretch in her career for the 2015 rookie. Like that is an insanely high level of consistency. Insane is my word of this podcast today, apparently, but just so <laughs> consistent and winning, right? To have so many multi, you know, 2016, 17, 18, 19, she won twice a year. And six of her nine career wins have come at three events. Cambia Portland Classic, Meyer LPGA, and the Lotte Championship. So she's very consistent at these courses that fit her eye. She actually mentioned that those three courses all happen to be the same designer whose name is getting past me right now as it's odd thread of a connection. But to win, she talked about how in order to win, there are breaks you need to get. And Lydia cashed in on two of those on the fourth, right? To have that chip stick around. And then her caddy, Dave Jones, who generally caddies for Sunghem Park, said, congrats on making the bobbling putt. Because her ball kind of jumped out of the fringe a little bit. You can't control everything in golf. And that was the big mentality change that Lydia really went into detail explaining after her win. That... The last time she was in this position, the Marathon Classic, where she had a five-shot lead with six holes to go, ended up going four over those last five. Danielle Kane caught her, and she talked about the night before she couldn't sleep. She desperately wanted it. And it was a good sign to her that she wanted it as badly as she did, but it's also really difficult to play that way. And she talked about how coming today, she slept well. There are so many things in golf you can't control, like your golf ball could hit a tree and kick the wrong direction. And... All you could do is, well, to Lydia, Lydia goes a step further and said, the winner's already been decided. I'm just going to play the best golf that I can. Uh, a pure fatalistic perspective of the sport of golf. But to her point, you know, you can't control everything in the sport. She couldn't control if the ball was going to stay on top of the hill after her chip, which she mentioned as a decommitted shot. She couldn't control whether the ball after jumping was going to go in the hole or not. She could just put a good stroke on it. And she was able to take that momentum you know, especially on a course with so few bogeys and how low the numbers were like giving a bogey away from 84 yards in the fairway. That would have made it a different ball game. And Nellie Corda had a pretty good look for Brie. That could have been a two shot swing. It could have been tied. And I know we're talking a lot about the fourth hole. That was the only hole where it was kind of a question. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. And it, it just, I thought about something else is that Lydia slowly over this last, I think there was, there's been a lot of, oh, Lydia is back. And that, obviously I think that is something that comes into my people's minds pretty naturally. When you go through a drought, you're like, oh, this player, this team is back. But to me, it is the evolution of a new, like it's a new Lydia because of, first of all, her outlook on the game. She's always been pretty relatively quiet like she's not this super animated player as far as like fist pumps and all these things she definitely smiles and laughs a lot on the golf course that's always been a Lydia trait like you said sharing snacks even with the camera guys or the, the camera crew but what's been interesting to me to see it's going back to last year at the restart you know going to uh late July and then into August she seems to be playing more aggressive and I don't know if you feel this but I can think of in my head, she's pulled driver off the deck twice, including the final round, which you mean staying aggressive. I mean, I think that, and think about though, the confidence she has to have in her game is that 
with a driver, even the pros taking that off the deck, it was a little above her feet too. You could easily catch that little fat, little chunky, and have a long approach for your third shot under that par five, which again can be more uh, swing. Uh, I mean, shot differences. And but she stays with it, even with the multiple shot lead, even in the final round. She seems to be in this mindset of, I mean, I don't know about you, but speaking of my own golf game, if I ever got to that point, like I just can't, I can't imagine it to be in a place where I feel so comfortable to be in a position with the pressure of, first of all, not winning in three years. That definitely is some pressure. Um, And then all the media that does come along with that, because as they talked about on the broadcast, probably the most scrutinized player, which is so tough because she's been so good to the media, to the fans throughout this time of her quote unquote, you know, not Lydia Co play, not winning. She still took the time to still smile, still answers questions, still signs autographs, takes pictures, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, it's just a bit of a, a new chapter. And I think that's, that's easy to say right now. We'll see what she does moving forward, but she's been racking up. She had five top tens in 2020 and 13 starts this year. She already has, four top tens and five starts, like including this win. So th- things are clicking. They're not just a, oh, she found it for this one week. It is really, she's putting rounds and tournaments together. At the start of the season, she talked about 2020 being her most consistent golf. But if you if you go to top 26s instead of top 25s, I just love our fascination with, you know, specific numbers. Like what's the difference between a 25th and a 26th place finish? Not substantial, but she's made the top 26 her last 10 events. Only one of those is outside of the top 20. That dates back to the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. And to your point this year, taking it to that next level, it's a win and two second place finishes. It was in the cards. It was here. And the 23-year-old, very close to 24, is showing a, a, a second cycle of how she can go about playing the game. And, you know, as the youngest number one ever, two majors before in your teens. Not that that, I guess that's not necessarily a crazy stat on the LPGA Tour, but it's still awfully impressive. Well, I did. You're speaking of another shout out to Justin Ray there. It's, that's like call kent the stats guy and he is but justin wow (laughs) talk about stats he brings them out but i saw a really interesting one that he shared that lpga tour winners under the age of 19 lydia had 12 lpga wins before the age 19 the rest of the tour combined ever 13 (laughs) and lydia had 14 wins before 20 right like (laughs) most of the damage of her career has been in a prior decade of her life yeah (laughs) and and now with yeah interesting to see where she takes it from here going into her you know mid-20s now still so young yet so much professional experience she's an eight-year veteran it is (laughs) 23 (laughs) it is it is so funny because you see this if you scroll on twitter which you can get lost in there's lots of great things and you definitely get lost in some hate comments and some things like that. But something that does come up pretty frequently when you talk about Lydia is that she's only 23, soon to be 24, but she's only 23. 
she's been out so long, most people think that she's close to, I mean, a lot of people think she's close to 30. And if you look at her career, eight, nine years out on tour, you know, she won as an amateur. She's 15 uh, all the way back in 2012. <laughs> That's almost 10 years ago. It does. I mean, most players normally get their first win if they're early in their career. It is around 20, 19, 20, 21, or you get out of college at age 21, 22. Like, how many rookie and second year players are out on the LPGA tour right now that are just starting at Lydia's age? And we're already talking about the quote unquote comeback or back again. Like, you just don't, it's just so unique because no one has this. Kind of success in fact it's true literally no one ever had this kind of success as a teenager and now it's just it's great to see her back because you saw the reaction too uh, online social media um golf channel all the major different golf networks and, and publications it's a big deal that lydia's back in the winner's circle and off that press conference you know just a couple last thoughts i'll i'll open the floor to you before we move on she was 21 under through 54 holes coming into this week at a tournament that, to be fair, has not been held at Capilla Golf Club until this year. It was at Colina, historically. The tournament record was 20 under par. She was 21 under through 54. <laughs> Smashing the tournament record, 28 under par, third lowest all-time in LPGA Tour history behind Young Kim. And Shan Chan Fung at the Thornberry Creek Classic in 2018 and 2019, respectively. We're going to call that pretty good, Ben. Any, any final thoughts on the person whose stock you have held on to the longest? It's taken off like Bitcoin. That is true. And all the other kind of cryptocurrency out there that I can't keep up with. But no, I completely agree. It it's, it's She just found that zone, that sweet spot of great golf and... I think that we should just all appreciate the great golf while it's here. And hopefully it's something that we continue to see in the future. What did you think about how low the scoring was in general this week? If Lydia Coe did not win, that was four players that would have set the new tournament record at 21 under par. Nellie Korda, NB Park, Hall of Famer, Say Young Kim, major champion, Leona McGuire, by the way. Also speaking to how well Lydia played, she beat the number two, number three, and number four players in the world before the Rolex rankings update next week or tomorrow. Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, you know, this is very interesting. And I've, and I've seen this discussion talked about and talked about it with a few people as well is, you know, Beth and Nichols of Golf Week, she had an article released earlier this year talking about the distance, the you know, maybe golf courses, the how golf courses are set up in relative comparison to the men on the PGA Tour and how women essentially are hitting longer clubs into a lot of holes than the men, like in comparison. It's tough for me to get to the, you know, exact details of all that, but I think you get the picture. And the thing is, the LPGA historically, including Hawaii, they've always had a handful of courses where they're quote unquote birdie fest courses, like where you have to go low. You have to make a lot of birdies in order to be in contention and win. So I don't, I'm still trying to process how I feel about the fact there were five players at minus 20 under and better. However, to me, 
as long as this isn't like an every week occurrence, I I personally enjoy a couple of these a year. I think it it's a different style of golf because you you have to keep it's a mental it's mentally tough. You saw and I don't know if this is the case with Nelly, if this is what happened. Um a lot of different circumstances could come into play obviously. But when you know you have to make birdies, that can take a toll on you at some point. There's some some players that of all different skill levels, but when you're playing and you hear players talk about this about major championships a lot, when the courses are tough, you're kind of grinding out for pars, that can take there's still stress, but it takes it's a different level or a different kind of stress than having to make birdies after birdie after birdie. So to me, I really enjoyed it because if you look at the top 10, which there were 11 players ended up tying for 10th or better, there's six, arguably seven players that are not really long hitters. And you would think on a course that's playing pretty easy like this, the long hitters would be the ones to really capitalize, right? And we did. We saw you saw Nelly and Se Young tying for second there. They're definitely two of the longer hitters on the LPGA tour. But you look players like Sarah Schmelzel and Weiling Su, Jenny Shin, who put up a great nine under on the, on the in the final round and almost posted 10 under, just slipped out. These are players that don't normally like you look on Wei Ling's Instagram, for instance. She set personal records this week. She shared that. She was excited about it. And to me, that's what makes it weeks like this important is that at the end of the day, even if the course is quote unquote easy, you still have to put the ball in the hole. And that and we did see that on Sunday in the as I've mentioned a couple of times now, but with Nelly, the push just didn't fall for her. She was hitting great tee shots, she was hitting great approach shots. She had lots of great opportunities to make putts for birdie and they just weren't falling for much of the round. So, but you have other players that, you know, they're not as long, maybe on a lot of given any other weeks, it's tough to make those kind of runs and make a lot of birdies, but you go to a course like this and it can be a completely confidence booster. Even if it is quote unquote easy, you still have to go out there, execute the shots, you still have to make the putts. And you still have to, and that can really carry you as a player. I believe, I don't know. It's my opinion, but I think I've seen some confidence boost into players moving forward. So we got to see Hannah Green and Amy Yang. I know that they're winners, that we they're tour winners multiple times. But you know what I'm really excited about with Amy Yang? What? <laughs> she is getting ready to maintain her Honda LPGA Thailand pace. The winner of 2015, 2017, and 2019. Going to be rolling in, playing well in 2021. Called a Pets of the Week preview. That, <laughs> I don't deny math. <laughs> that, that is a fun fact that is almost science. That's three. I mean, I don't know. Um, listen, yeah, that's, I don't. Listen, it's odd year magic. I, I look at the calendar. Whatever happened in 2020, it's a blur. It's white. We are in 2021. Here You're right. <laughs> You're right. But the so but with with Hannah and Amy, for instance, I just think about obviously they both had good years in 2019. Hannah won the KPMG wins PGA. Then she won in Portland. Amy, as you said, and they played well then. But 2020, they by their standards, they both missed several cuts in 2020. Neither of them were really contention until Hannah at the Semi Group Tour Championship, where she finished in a tie for second. 
But this year, you started to see a little bit of improvement. And then this week, it's like, okay, starting to put those scores together. By the way, Amy Yang, just have to point out also, she birdied all nine holes in the back nine of a tournament in Korea several years ago. (laughs) Nine under 27, birdie every hole. Not too bad. So just seeing players kind of find their way again, even though they weren't necessarily lost, getting back into the flow of things. So, yeah, maybe that didn't explain my thoughts on the, the birdie fest kind of courses very well. But what are what are some of your thoughts on it? If if the question was, what are the thoughts on birdie courses? You know, and it was one scoop of ice cream to answer it. You also gave about three other scoops on a variety of other topics. You explained yourself. Well, it's all good. <laughs> we like more ice cream. There is there are limits to how much ice cream you can have. But in one sitting, we're right. all right. You're right. I, th- I think variety of this is the spice of life. You know, if we're going to run with this ice cream analogy, I don't just want one. If I'm getting three scoops, I don't want three scoops of the same flavor. You know, I want the Oreo cookies and cream. I want the mint chocolate chip. I want the Rocky Road. No, Gold Ribbit. Gold Ribbit. Gold Ribbit's got the, the caramel, the chocolate. I am clearly in an ice cream mood, even though it's not even noon when we're recording this <laughs> <at a> local <laughs> time. But it's important, or not fair to say important, but it's enjoyable to have these different style tournaments where you come into it. And it's like, okay, you know, not that Thornberry Creek is on the schedule anymore, but you go there and you know, like 30 under is going to probably be the number that the course doesn't have that many defenses. The par fives are all reachable greens. You can take advantage of, and it allows the best players in the world to showcase their skill sets in different styles of golf. That's another reason why I'm really excited. Match play is coming back to the fold at the shadow Creek in Vegas uh, with, within a month or so because it's another style of play right what's the big difference between stroke play and match play match play well if your opponent's got a tap in for birdie you got a 20 footer you're not thinking about the miss you're just going for it you know and it's exciting to see these different styles of play be put on display i think that's why we talk about the olympics so much because that's its own unique style tournament so to have to your point you don't want to have the same flavor every week. You don't want the winning score on the LPGA to be 25 under week over week. You want some tournaments like the U.S. Women's Open or even par would ideally win. And the players are going through a torture chamber to get to even par round over round. Or going under par is really significant. Versus here to what you said, right? Jerry Fultz, who followed the Nelly Corda, Lydia Coe final pairing, kept talking about how each birdie miss was just compounding in Nellie Corda's head. And to use that as a bridge to get to her, Tom Abbott kept talking about how there was just no way to see this round happening. And I didn't agree with him because in 2019, we saw it to a much worse degree. Nellie had a share of the league going into the final round and posted a 77. And I have to wonder, it wasn't asked was that in the back of her mind to expunge that ghost. And I think it was an interesting analogy that we talk about Nelly as the next player to win a major. She's not the player with the most wins without one. That is her sister, Jessica, with six. But you just stare at the talent and you go, okay, whatever you're ready. And it feels like once Nelly wins a major, it's almost like when Nelly finally made a birdie. 
they started pouring in and it's there. She's putting it together week over week. If we cut, we talked about Lydia quite a bit at a and Nelly finished T3 and she finished and, you know, lost the playoff in 2020 at a and These performances, both these players are really top five players in the world have been taking it to another level at the start of the year. I think we get to take full responsibility for that, Ben, as in a past episode, we clamored for all the top players in the world to be gunning at each other at their best at the same time. And here we are. So I guess what the real point is, is you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'll go as far as you can, but but, um, uh, historically, if you ask my family, I do like to like take credit for things that I don't need to take, shouldn't be taking credit for, but um, I do. I I want to bring up a, a question to you, pose a question to you about, that pairing though, Nelly and Lydia. Lydia is so we we everyone knows the story, and that was definitely the most talked about thing. Whether you're trying to follow it or not, I think everyone is aware of certain storylines or certain things that are being talked about. Definitely, everyone's aware that Lydia has not won in over three years leading up to this point, and her standing in the game, her popularity, etc. So you go into a final round playing with a player such as Lydia. She's so nice. She will literally offer you snacks. She will. And my point being, I see where this question is going. You see where this is going. And maybe you don't like this, where it's going, but I really am interested is like, can, can you actually be a little bit hesitant or, or may not maybe hesitant is the wrong word but actually thinking about that too, as a competitor, I think that whenever it's someone you dislike, for example, the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox, when they play each other, you know that it's going to be a battle. You Have you play. seen the Dodgers Padres series this year? Oh. Those two teams are going at it. Another good example. Cause the Padres are actually pretty good again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That does help. But yeah, that's a, a good example. Like when there's someone that you don't like, I think it's a little bit free wheel and just go at it like, oh, I want to beat this person. It's also golf is different because obviously it's the golf course is who you're really competing against, but you are competing against individuals at the same time. It's just a weird dynamic. But we talked about this with NB too, like in San Diego, she's just so calm and nonchalant. Like the whole time, it's hard to ever, I think it's difficult to get upset. Not that you need to be upset. You don't need to be upset at somebody. I'm just wondering if there's if that plays any kind of impact when you're playing with someone that can kind of potentially take your edge down a little bit. And I don't think that's the right way to phrase it either. I'm not putting the right words together, but I'm just it's just an interesting dynamic to me. So to boil your question down, are you positing that because Lydia is so nice and so well liked, it is possible it had an effect on Nelly Corda's will to win? No, because I knew that this is the era, this is the round that you don't like, you dislike. No, I'm, I'm not asking. I'm just clarifying your question. I just I, want I know, the question my, clarified before I answer. Because my question was not very clear. I know. It's so tough to get the right phrasing of it. No, I don't think it affect. like, I think Nelly wanted to win, but. Okay, so you can answer your own question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, 
<laughs> I don't know how to say it. Maybe the listeners can get some sort of idea what I'm saying. Maybe I don't make any sense at all. I'll, I will attempt to answer the question that I believe was asked. Okay, let me let me hear. Then <laughs> I I can see if it's in the right realm of what I was thinking. No. <laughs> okay. But to expand on that, would would Nelly be? okay with Lydia winning because of Lydia's drought and what it might mean to her maybe but these are all professional athletes they're all going after their own wins and think about what it would have meant for Nelly career win number five her second win in five starts like gunning for number one and that would have been you know with I'm not, I don't think a win would have moved her to number one this week, but obviously it would have moved her substantially closer. And to that point, building off that tie for third at A, like, okay, now we're really talking. You're going to LA, you're going to these limited field events over in Southeast Asia coming up after that. There's no world where I see what you're positing as a possible effect on Nelly in the final round. I think what affected Nelly the most in the final round was that her putter was just colder than Antarctica. That thing struggled for so long to get going and it just compounded itself. So I will, I'm jumping in because I will disagree with you. I brought the question up because obviously I do think that this is possible. I think that we're all human at the end of the day. Some of us may not perform like uh, sports, like some people, they don't seem human. Like the way Lydia's played the last five rounds doesn't seem human. But I do think that there is a human element that does come into play occasionally. And I think that there's, it's probably not a big, and it probably, maybe it didn't have any. I'm not saying that it did have an effect on her, but the fact this that there could be a chance of this human element, I mean, it, it's it's tough to, to compete against people that you like that you're even friends with and not, I mean, I love to compete too. And I want to beat my friends too. You know what, Kent, I will just concede this to you. We, we will, we can, we can, then there is, there is a chance. Day. There is a chance that a meteor could strike me right now. It doesn't mean <laughs> it's the case. Could it could be the case is a is a very slim chance. If you want that, you can have could be, but I, man, if if that were the case, right, it'd be so difficult to win because this is a, a group. The LPG tour is kind of akin to a traveling circus, right? They go to so many different places over over the year. They're not at home very much. A lot of their closest friendships come from this tour. So to have the hypothesis that it's more difficult to beat a friend, I think for those at the top, you're not going to be able to make it to the levels you want if that's a self-limiter. You know, I think, again, this is a lot of thinking on our part. Neither of us have been in any of these players' shoes or any of these scenarios. But players have enough mental game things to work through, right? Like we've talked about how that's the biggest difference between players at the top and players who are struggling because everyone's mechanics to some extent is really, really good to be on the LPGA tour. To add the layer that you're competing against your friend, like there are there are very few cases that I could see this to play devil's advocate to my own argument. 
before Moria Tangarn ever won. If Arya and Moria were coming down the stretch, I could see that. But that, that ex- it didn't happen, right? But that extreme kind of case is where I could see it. Or maybe Jess and Nelly, if one of them wins a major before the other, and they're competing down the stretch of a major. Maybe. I don't want to emphasize. Maybe. Yeah. But I really struggle to see this, this line of, you know, there are so many other possible reasons that as of now, we don't know the answer to as to why Nellie's putter was cold. Maybe she had a bad warm-up. You know, she was coming off a of 63, her second one at the low Tate championship, the fourth one of her career coming into play. She was averaging 25 putts around coming into it. Right. Just welcome, as, as Lydia said, welcome to the game of golf. Sometimes it just happens. So just to be clear, and I know it doesn't really whatever but just to be clear i'm not saying that by any means because nelly's a competitive person and i know this and she's and she's shown this she doesn't have to say it she's shown it she didn't go into the this final round of this tournament like you know what i think that i'm not going to play my best and because i want lydia to win that's not what happened i don't believe that's what happened on the Jude Kandigarn part point, that is interesting because I literally asked them about that. And maybe they're just giving the public answer of like, of course, I want to beat the other one. Like if I'm in the final group and the final pairing walking down the last fairway, like I want to win that tournament. I don't, I'm going to be happy for my sister if she wins, but in that moment, I want to win that tournament. So maybe that does answer your question there. But the more likely scenario is, is that golf is one of the most, if not the most mental game that there is on the planet, which can be debated. But more likely is that she didn't make putts where she had good opportunities for birdie early. And as Jerry pointed out, your mind starts to get clouded with a lot of other things and missing. You saw her too throughout the round more and more like, like size and like, are you kidding me? Like it just started to pile and the hole does become smaller, like not literally physically, but mentally it's like, okay, I can't get anything to fall. So I do want to make that clear. That's the more likely scenario. Okay. And to your point <laughs> about that, you know, after the seventh, she asked her caddy for a new ball, right? Just try to switch up the mojo one way or another. We've given the final pairing a lot of time. They were not the only notable performances, though Lydia deserved all the time and more. MB Park, Young Kim, Leona McGuire, the rookie of Ireland, making a move all finishing at 21 under, as we mentioned before, all the, that, that score would have been the tournament record, except for Lydia Ko. So, Say Young came at a pre-tournament press conference, and we've talked about how 17 of her last 18 now, top 25 finishes, three wins. What's well, been the key to her consistency? And she answered her ability to birdie has really been a good confidence booster for her. And in the back of her mind, she can always make these runs. Early on in the day, it kind of looked like Young might be playing what Lydia Ko was to Patty Taftanikin at ANA to Lydia Ko. She went on a move early, 24 birdies on the week, which sounds nice, but then you think about what Lydia did, and it's not, it's not <laughs> close. But averaging five birdies per round last year is at 4.3 right now. I... Again, if we've talked a lot about Jin Young Ko and how consistent she is, 
to stay atop the world, Cole's going to have to answer back here in these next few events, probably with a victory. It's it's coming down to it now with all these players that are chasing her, finally closing in on that gap she built off of two major victories in 2019. And it's fun to watch. Yeah, you know, when I was looking at that leaderboard going into the final round yesterday, obviously there was such a big gap. I mean, it was a pretty big gap. But of, of the players down in that 14, 15 under range, Young was the one that stood out to me simply because of her aggressive style of play. And we've seen it. Like, she is – she does have the record for the lowest score ever in LPJ tournament. There's a reason for that. So if there's anyone that could go and potentially – put together one of these crazy little rounds at Young, And yeah, she did start out that way. But I love they brought up a quote that, you know, I think it was Jerry with the Golf Channel, but one of the commentators talked about how they talked with her caddy, Paul, and how Paul said, like, she doesn't care if she ends up finishing, you know, if she's second or 22nd, she's going to do everything that she can to win. So that basically that means, right, that aggressive style of play that's giving her the chance to make as many birdies as possible. <laughs> you play to win the game. Kent loves that. We, if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't figured that out, on, which it is. I mean, that's it's exciting to watch, and I think that it's it's not easy to get to that mindset, though, right? Like Sayoung does have the benefit of being a she's double-digit LPGA wins in her career. She had success in the KLPGA. She's a major champion now. I think that there does come a little bit of a, a nice little cushion there to be like, okay, I'm going to go like, she's exempt for, I don't know the numbers right now, but there's a lot of exemptions. She's, she, she's fine to play for a long time. Whereas some other players you're battling just to keep your card. There are some tournaments where you're not like, I want to hold on to this top 20 position this top 15 position. I'm not necessarily willing to rent or can't afford to risk this much. That's just interesting. That dynamic of things, but Say young, yeah, and envy. Envy. It didn't surprise me because she's played well in Hawaii tournaments in the past, but she's not. Again, not a long hitter, and you would think, but because of the way the golf course is set up, and because she's envy, <laughs> she can just work her way around the golf course and make a lot of putts. So that round that she put together in the final round to get into contention was, you know, I would say vintage envy, but yeah, it's, it's vintage envy. But Leona is really impressive. We've talked about a lot of great rookies, right? We we talk talk about well, first of all, in, in the forefront right now, Patty Tavitanikit, the A and A made A and A Inspiration winner, major champion now. But there's the reigning U.S. Women's Open champion, Kim Adam, Alim Kim, um, Yelimi No, played great last year. We know and the year before. I mean, but Leona from Ireland. One of the greatest, as mentioned on the on the telecast, and you can look it up, her amateur resume is one of the greatest of all time. She can really, really play, and obviously she showed that this week, and she can put the birdies up. Again, this is, although the course may be uh, set up to make a lot of birdies, you still have to put the ball in the hole, and she, she did that. We need to add another thing to the unofficial Ninth Tee podcast drinking game. Which is every time you say Alim Kim, you then go Kim Alim. Every time. <laughs> I, 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 I know. I appreciate, I, I appreciate the proper pronunciation. I also appreciate the discount double check to say both the English, English 
the English sized. That's not a word. Uh, the English version yeah. and and the correct Korean Hongul version. Correct. Uh, I knew like I I know we are recording this via video. I could see a reaction. I knew <laughs> I I knew it was coming, but it does. It's tough just on the telecast here. Like, okay, well, I I'm pretty sure that she gave permission. Like she said, my name, I want to be pronounced Alim Kim. But then the US the USGA released a video with her talking. She's like basically in Korean, but she's like, I am Kim, I am Kim Arim. And it's like, oh well, she said it herself on video. So anyway. Nonetheless, it is interesting that in Hangul, the character for L and or for K and no, excuse me, three, two, the character for L and R is the same character. It is somewhat interesting to, to see that interchange. But to your point on rookies getting back to the golf and yeah. less linguistics, <laughs> you've, you're forgetting friend of the show, Jennifer Chang has also had a top tender name this year. She played respectably this week as well. But to your point on Leona, you see her last shot into 18. <laughs> yes. Yes. She got she really cashed in her luck at the Irish card there that landed in the rough a yard from the water and sat like a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Inexplicably. And, inexplicably just you know, we we've talked about this before. You've got to lock in through the end of an event, even if you're not gonna win, if you're someone like Leona who needs to secure her status the next year, a, a tied two and CME points. It's substantially more important than third because for those points are awarded irregardless of ties. So with that many players, you know, that's four players at tie for second. If she bogeys that, that drops her to at best fifth. And it's, it's not like a, a linear scale here. You know, you, for every position you drop from higher up, you lose a lot more points. So when we look back at the end of the year and we, we discuss top 80 CME points, top 100 CME points, which is two separate levels of status, but you feel pretty comfortable having the opportunity to play most of the season if you're within the top 100, this is an event to look back on. And again, golf is 72 holes, but you think about the end quite a bit because that's when you're, you're coming down the stretch. Can you stay in the moment? Can you polish off the tournament? And kind of how we talked about with Angel Yin not finishing off early on in the Florida events and her bid to try and get back to the Solheim Cup. To that, uh, your Brooke, the Brooke Henderson pre-tournament quote about you need a little luck. It's not just a little luck to win. It's that, that right there, for instance, that's at least the difference between second and third. Maybe she even drops down to fourth. We don't, don't know exactly how that finishes. So this golf, golf is that way. You just need a little luck sometimes. Ben, before the show, we were talking about how we need to be quicker. And here we are, way into the episode. So let's get through. We got to talk about Yuka Sasso. Yes. Number one, I love her last name, Sasso. It just has such a nice set of emphasis points. It's fun to say. And it was also fun just watching her dominate the first two rounds. A pair of 64s, final pairing with Lydia Ko, one of her idols growing up who's only four years older than her, but to our point earlier, shows how much Livia Ko has been on the national stage. You know, the weekend didn't go her way. 71-70, those are, are not great scores where the tournament average was 69 point something over those last weekend rounds. 
but she she showed she hit 83% of her greens this week, averaged 280 off the tee. Golf Channel put together this great side-by-side video of Sasso's swing and Rory McIlroy's swing, and especially the initial drop up top looks so much like McIlroy going setting up the the aggressive strike into the ball. And for the Filipina, who's 46 in the Rolex rankings, by the way, if she can continue to get more sponsors' invites, she's not a member of the tour. Her route to membership through her play is similar to everyone last year. She can win a tournament. Or because CME points are now part of the calculation again for your status for the next year. Finish in the top 40 in CME points. And that would be that will be difficult because she's not into those small field events in Southeast Asia and just having less tournaments available to you is difficult. And she's relying on sponsor exemptions and a sponsor exemption top 10 does not necessarily get you into the field the next week. If she Monday qualified in top 10, she could have done it. But at someone where kind of like we talked about with you, let me know Monday qualifying throughout 2019. Okay. If you can compete on this level, it feels pretty reasonable at some point you're going to get through Q series and get to the tour if you don't earn status on your own this year. And she may not pull off Lydia Ko's teenage era career. That doesn't mean the future isn't incredibly bright. No. And to go to that McElroy, the Rory McElroy comparison real quick, by the way, we know in, in the recent weeks, Rory has been struggling. This is like peak Rory, beautiful, <laughs> driving hitting fairways hitting really far the fluidity of her swings is the thing that stands out to me it's like she has so much power she generates so much power similar very similar really to rory that he's not a big guy and yet his swing generates so much speed and he's able to hit it so far she does very similarly not like bryson dechambeau for instance where he's just it just he's ripping as hard as he can it's not necessarily fluid but anyway, no shade there. He's playing. He, he's a great player. But getting back to Yuka, she, I had the opportunity two years ago, so 2019, to actually watch her play in person on the KLPGA. She had a sponsor's invite that week, and she was on the posters there. I mean, as a player, like to come watch. So then, got two years ago, that puts her at 17. <laughs> so she was already. She's been getting these invites for a long time. She's so good. And, you know, to focus on her, yeah, she put – think about the run, the 64-64 to start the tournament. She actually took the shine away a little bit from Lydia. It was all about Lydia continuing her great play from the ANA, and then all of a sudden it's like this 19-year-old non-member did what? Like it just kind of felt like she was interrupting like this storybook that was being written. But rightfully so. I mean, she earned it. She played – she's so good. And I don't know how to – I probably should increase my vocabulary so I have other things to say, other ways to describe the greatness of players. But yeah, her her future is very bright. And could she, it just depends on how many stars she gets because you talk about that top 40 in the CME. If she doesn't get that many starts, it's basically going to boil down to her needing to get a victory. Is it possible? I think she showed that it's that it's possible with the swing isn't everything. We know that. It doesn't translate to, you know, great swings don't necessarily translate to winning all the time, but she does have it. And the big thing to me is that 83% of greens regulation, that's really big. With the long hitter, 
that's really great to see. And you know, you love Green's regulation. You know how much that correlates. So to see a long pl- a player who's long also hit a lot of greens, that's just a good sign. And look forward to seeing her on the tour more this year and hopefully for sure in the future beyond that. That's giving me like the four scoops of ice cream you gave me earlier in the podcast. Speaking of <laughs> not so yummy, bets of the week. <laughs> Final segment here before we get out of here, Ben. It was Lydia Ko's world this week. The best odds she had were 11 to 1. But to run through the, the five selections, Georgia Hall ended up being the best finisher. She was the long shot at 100 to 1. She finished tied for 12th. Brooke Henderson, the favorite selection, tied for 27th. Allie Ewing, 60 to 1, tied for 33rd. And two missed cuts. Aria Jatanagarn, 50 to 1. Minji Lee, 18 to one mr ben floor is yours i will go through these quickly not so many scoops of ice cream during this segment but i will just say real quickly start with the miscuts with minji that one surprised me she's one of the most consistent players on the tour in the game period and she's had she's a former champion in hawaii so to see her miss the cut was a little bit surprising but i'm going to get like i don't blame you for that pick i think that's a very well educated pick area that area she showed some signs of life at a and a i shouldn't say put it that way but she hasn't necessarily been the area that we saw be the number one player in the world for a little while now but did i see a miscut coming the area pick feels like the sunken park pick that <laughs> i and you when you occasionally join me kept making where it's just this world talent, right? You're you're trying to get in early, and I'm buying too early. Yeah. Uh, and the thought was that, like, okay, Lote, Hawaii, she's played well before, had a couple top tens. So what you mentioned, right? That first round was electric at ANA. And maybe with no longer being the top tie player in the world, different mindset. It's like, this is a very qualitative decision to get in on area. I just think they Because if you're you're looking at like which players are peaking right now, it's hard to make selections because it's all top players in the world, which means you're throwing (laughs) darts on these low unit wins. For this to be successful, right? What was the big difference last year in getting a 56% return? Was hitting on Angela Stanford. She was peaking, and for some reason, she was 125 to 1. Okay. Obviously, that doesn't guarantee a win, but that's beating the market. It's really difficult to beat the market, which is, in theory, the goal of this, when it's all these leaders (laughs) who are at 10 to 1 are are the people who are making it worthwhile to bet based on recent performance alone so it's trying to find these different avenues like that's why i bought brooke at 14 to 1 because okay do i want to take lydia or nelly i think nelly's best odds were seven and a half to one and we've talked about before i think 10 to 1 and below is just not enough value to bet on but lydia was at 11 to 1 at DraftKings, so that is that's a reasonable thing to be like okay coming off a 62 on a sunday Maybe you should have picked her as a favorite instead of Minji Lee and and maybe gone a little heavier on the favorites that way. But with Brooke's success at Lote, where along with her two wins, the Aloha State, she's had four finishes, the worst ones tied for 11th, four starts. 
okay. I like that track record at 14 to one, you know, and, and Brooks, the kind of player where she didn't finish in contention at the ANA, but reasonable finish. You don't need to be not fair to say you don't need to be but for the top players in the world. They don't always go like fifth, third, second win. They have the ability to go top 25 win, particularly in places they played well before. So it was definitely difficult as well to how much do you value performance Colina, where the tournament usually is versus uh, this week. Right. At right. Capital Lake Golf Club. But, you know, I'm glad I, I did what you did earlier where I asked the question and answered it myself. So go me. That's okay. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to say like one more point on, on area is she is difficult. She's going to be very difficult because we've literally her past performance has been like a flip of a switch. It's not necessarily like she went 2015 missing 10 cuts in a row at one point, not having any wins in her career. 2016, she wins, then wins the next week, then wins the next week. Like that's her first three wins. And it's suddenly like, okay, like, could you expect that or predict that? Probably no, maybe PN Lynn, her, you know, her coaches with Vision 54 are like, hey, we've seen this progress and progression. We could, but still, for anyone who won three divisions in a row, it's crazy. But I mean, crazy impressive, that is. Um, so yeah, maybe questionable pick, but I'm not gonna blame you on that pick. But Brooke, great pick. How could you not pick the two-time defending champion whose odds were not even the best that week, right? Like and Georgia, major champion. LPGA Tour winner, so multiple-time winner. Good pick at those odds. And Allie Ewing, look, Allie, since her win last year, she's really – I mean, even before that, we did see – like, talk about people you see trending or playing well going into events. Um, she showed that she was playing much better. She got that win. Finally, like she, she even said after that tournament, I feel like I – along the lines of – I feel like I belong out here. It's so difficult to win out here. Now I know that I can do it. And she's played really, really well. And she, in fact, I mean, until late on late in the third round, I mean, she was pretty close to striking distance. It's just a tough, again, a golf course where you have to make lots of birdies. It's, it's sometimes tough to keep that momentum for the whole four rounds, as you pointed out, but I can't really, I don't, dislike your picks in theory they all look good i'm not a very good judge of like uh on the negative side of things if obviously we've come to to know this but i will say though just like the minji thing the minji miss cut is probably the most surprising she's just one of the most consistent players in the game but you know what we get a new week coming up here in la and i'm sure you have i mean want to take us into that a little bit before we get out of here completely the huge L Premier LA Open, the City of Angels. Yes, where where I don't. It's okay to talk about this, right? Like you're going to be on site. I'll be on site for back to back runnings of this event. So yeah, that's wild. Going back to 2019, there's that pause last year. Like like you said, 2020 is a blur, but it's exciting. Can't wait to talk when we reconvene. We'll get to hear some of your first-hand perspectives and, and insights on what's going on. It's a little surreal to think about being at an event with the only fans being parents and family members. 
and volunteers. And volunteers. I was talking with someone on site and they compared the Lotte Championship akin to a college tournament, which is so few people on site. And to get those, that feeling, because earlier in the year, right, in Florida, there were fans. California is taking a different approach to handling the COVID-19 pandemic. We are not epidemiologists. It's not our wheelhouse to, to judge, but it does impact the tour on how these states are approaching their social distancing rules, how much they are reopening up, for lack of a better descriptor. LA is still not reopened. And we talked a couple podcasts ago how the U.S. Women's Open uh, Ron Krojcik at the SF Chronicle broke that there were no fans planned. I actually think that has been walked back, not by Ron in particular, but there is a possibility again of fans being there. And maybe with media day coming up next week, we'll get some more guidance on that question at that point. But, you know, there aren't going to be many more events left where there aren't fans on site. So to, to have that experience in of itself, along with, seeing seeing golf in person again i am so anxious to be around that many people again i haven't been around a ton of people since march 2020 i have no idea how i'm going to respond to that you're right i i actually feel very much the same way i don't know when the next tournament i'll be able to see in person is aiming for june i hope but to your point yeah like how will i react like what will the reaction be? because i haven't been in a large group setting in a long time but i will say this before we completely get out or get out of here but i played nine holes a few days ago and they had just cut the grass and that fresh cut grass smell at a golf course is it just took me to like tournament mode because at lpj professional events they cut the grass every day uh, of in some fashion so you get that smell every day it was almost like a nostalgic slash transported me i was like oh golf this is this is what it's like i just don't like i can't wait to get that feeling again so i'm excited for you i can't wait to hear i gotta get back to the eye drops the nose spray the allergy pills (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh that stuff too yeah i forgot about all the all the other things you have to (laughs) all the parts of the travel like what is sunscreen? Oh. <laughs> What's sun? Just kidding. I'm in California. I still get that all the time. But instead of rubbing it in your face, Ben, on how much golf I've been able to play recently, <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah. Thanks, Kent. You always are. As always, Ben, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Great talking to you. And we'll talk very soon. <laughs>